0: Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Karl.
1: And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. We've got
0: quite a show here today, Rick. We're going to be talking to Senator Tom Tillis, who was in the room where it happened. He was there at the White House uh, in the Cabinet Room. When the President held that extraordinary negotiating session before the television cameras,
1: But weren't you in the room too, John? I saw you I saw you there. Uh, so the, walk us through how this happened, because this is one of the most extraordinary things I've ever witnessed in the White House, and I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, how this came to pass, that the President had a live, televised, actual negotiation with members of Congress uh, and reporters in the room, too. So I have some insight on this. Uh, f- first of all, just just to
0: explain a little, pull back the curtain. You know how this works. There's a there's a pool uh, that goes in to, to do photo ops and whatnot at uh, for uh, you know at the White House uh, travels with the president of Air Force One. The pool rotates news organizations. Uh, it happened to be ABC's turn, so we were we were the the broadcast network that was represented in the pool. So it means we had our camera crews in there. And and I was the only editorial right. presence uh for, for television. There was also some wire reporters and uh uh there were, you know a total, just a handful of reporters in there. Um but the White House schedule went out and the uh the president's meeting was on the schedule, but it said closed press. In other words, there would be no coverage. So You know, we were kind of waiting out there, thinking, well, okay, because there's no coverage. Now, sometimes they, at the last minute, will open up and say, okay, we're going to do a little photo op, bring the cameras in for about a minute and a a half. But a quickie, yeah. So um, I was in the White House booth there, uh, the ABC White House booth just uh, behind the, uh, you know, where the where the White House briefing room is, when the all-call went out, pool gatherer at the briefing room doors! So I had to, like, kind of run down the hall and get there because it was just, it was very last minute. And we went right from there into the cabinet room. Right. Again, assuming this would be for the minute and a half. Sure, uh, yeah. You know, quick, quick photo op. And we ended up staying. Now, the uh, I've asked around since what, the hell happened? Whose idea was this? How did this happen? And I got some interesting uh, interesting insight on this. The president had a meeting with his senior staff right before going into the cabinet meeting with the members of Congress. And in this meeting to discuss what they were going to do with the, with the members of Congress, the president said, you know, I'm thinking that we should invite the press in and we should have them stay
1: for most Just of let the him, meeting. Let, 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 watch it all.
0: And I know that one of the president's senior advisors spoke up and said, Mr. President, I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> and the president, ah, well, we'll see. And he walked in and, of course, he completely ignored the advice um, <laughs> and, and allowed it to, to, to go on. It was – Rick, you're right. I, I've been in and out of the White House covering presidents, uh, even going back to the end of uh, end of Clinton – I, we, we just we've simply never seen something like it, and,
1: and it it comes at an interesting point because uh, there's, there's a few different levels to this. One is the the kind of external vibe around the White House, and they've been hit by this book, Fire and Fury. We t- we talked about it last week on the podcast, and it's it's roiled all of Washington. And one of the takeaways from it is that there are senior staffers even that are raising alarms about the president's stability, his mental fitness, and he comes out and he says over the weekend on Twitter that he's a very stable genius. What better way to 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 convey that than to show that he is engaged and engaging and kind of up to speed on the issues in in negotiating live with members of Congress.
0: And it's also a chance to to show, first of all, that he's in command. And by the way, it was... You know, I mean, he is the president of the United States. He should have high expectations for what your president can do. But this is a you know he's he's, a, he's got at the table some very key members of Congress. By the way, not the big four. There's right. No, there's not no the Pelosi. There's no Ryan. There's no McConnell. Uh, there's no Chuck Schumer. Um, but for the most part, he knows their names. He's uh, you know he's he seems to have a grasp. You know that. that whether or not he's a grasp of the intimate details of, of what a, what a clean bill is and, and, and what's, what what comprehensive immigration reform is, I don't know. But but he was in charge of that meeting. He was yeah. in command of that meeting. He was calling uh, on on the members. He was asking for responses to what members were saying. He was engaging. He was going back and forth. And he was also showing that hey, I'm going to be the deal maker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and to my mind, so that's the best side. That's the, the, the best of Trump that you got, yep. because this is the president a lot of people thought they'd get. He'd go in there. He doesn't have uh, any kind of- Not uh, particularly Republican. Right, no affiliations you know? around party lines. Let's just get a deal. Let's get something done. Let's cut through everything else. Let's get it done. But then the flip side is that uh, once he starts to wade into the details, he boxes himself in. He seems to commit to some deals or some side deals that he's not going to stay up on. Uh, you mentioned the, the, what he said, a uh, clean DACA fix which yeah. most people would assume would just be, well, take care of the Dreamers. Actually, that's not what the Republican position is, and he yeah, came so let's, close let's, to agreeing to that. Let's listen to that, because that was a very interesting moment. Uh,
0: uh, Diane Feinstein spoke up and listened to what happened.
2: I don't know how you would feel about this, but I'd like to ask the question, what about a clean DACA bill now uh, with a commitment that we go into a comprehensive immigration reform procedure like we did back, or I remember when Kennedy was here, and it was really a major, major effort, and uh, it was a great disappointment that it went nowhere. nowhere.
0: Uh, I have no problem. I, I think that's basically what Dick has said. We're going to come out with DACA. We're going to do
2: DACA, and then we can start immediately on the phase two, which would be comprehensive. Would you be agreeable to that?
1: Yeah, I would
0: like. I would like to. do
1: that will, yeah, yeah. That, no. So that, that was Kevin McCarthy's voice there, because that that was the that was the great McCarthy bailout of 2018. He realized what was going on that Diane Feinstein was leading him into a trap, and he needed to bail out the president and his party. Otherwise, they just agreed to something that the White House is not on the record supporting.
0: Yeah, really, really, quite, quite amazing. But you know, but but let's let's just before we go through and dissect things like that. There are a couple of things that were extraordinary about this on substance. First of all, by and large, in that room, every Republican who spoke up was in favor of providing a path to legal status. And Grassley actually said citizenship mm. for the uh, for the Dreamers, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is not something they get under DACA. They have this temporary; it's it, it, right. you know they have to keep reapplying, and, they, and, it, and it certainly isn't citizenship. So it's deferred action, yes. Yes, it's just deferred. Deferred action. So, uh, so that was a pretty big moment. Now there are a lot of Republicans that were not in that room that are dead set against
1: that. And they call that amnesty, amnesty, and they would they would lay down in traffic. And Coulter among them lay down yeah. in traffic to try to stop that. Now
0: That's Tom right. Cotton may be one of those, and he was in the room, but he didn't. He didn't, he didn't, say, anything? Uh,
1: he didn't say anything against it.
0: So that was that was uh, that was fascinating, and. You know, they're they're also uh, well. The issue of the wall came yeah. up, and 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 this was an interesting moment in in all of this because the president, at about forty five minutes into this, said, well, "Now maybe we'll let the press go uh, and continue our conversation." So the handlers that are in there that bring us in and out started saying, "Okay, thank you, press, thank you, press, thank you, press." And that's when I chime in and I say, "You know, Mister President, I asked him to clarify: does does the wall have to be part of a DACA deal?" So listen to what happens next. Yeah. Is there any agreement without the wall? Yeah. Uh, is is no. The right? uh, wall has to be
1: right. there. You. you need it. John, you need the wall. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I'd love not to build the wall, but you need the wall.
0: He would love not to build the wall, but you need the wall. <laughs> um, but he goes on to make it clear that his definition of the kind of wall that is needed, how much of a wall is needed, is is evolving. He's yeah. not saying it needs to be from... You know, from one end of the border to the other, uh, he, you know, he, he's saying some of it could be fencing, some of it is natural barriers,
1: you know. Yeah, it's it's the, it's, the, it's the Trump malleability around this. Even
0: things, though the sure. White House has got a plan, $18 billion in this current, uh, you know, spending bill to, to to fund the wall, and even made it clear, hey, we can do it for less. I mean, right. it, was, it was a very interesting discussion. So we ended up staying in there for another, like, you know, several minutes while they, while they uh, debated this question of the wall. Now... After it was over, the Democrats came to the uh, to the White House stakeout outside the West Wing, and I I, I wanted to just see if there's any chance. So we now you know we hear the Democrat the President saying that he needs at least some wall, right, to be part of it. Which a is DACA not what deal. a clean
1: bill is, but now he's redefining not, what a clean yes, DACA bill is. Yes, yes.
0: yes. Um, so is there any chance that Democrats would give a penny for the wall? And here is the exchange with Steny Hoyer. I I asked directly if the wall was a must do, if the the wall must be part of a DACA deal. And the president said yes. Yeah, I think open to a a deal that includes at least part of the wall. Let, Let
2: me tell you what I think. I think the president uses wall for border security. I think he thinks they're interchangeable because he mentioned border security on a number of occasions in talking about what was necessary to be in the DACA bill. So,
0: in other words, Steny Hoyer, the number two Democrat in the House, is saying that when the president says wall, he doesn't really mean wall. He means border security. So after the Democrats left, the Republicans came out to the stakeout outside the West Wing. And I put that to the number two Republican in the House, Kevin McCarthy. What is your sense when the president says the wall has to be a part of this agreement does he mean that they have that the wall has to be Now closed? you were in the room when the president talked about this too. He was very clear. He needs a border security.
1: That means the wall, but it also means there's elements because of how the country is developed along the border that a wall would not be appropriate at places, but the border has to be secure. Now this is all a part when you want to say how many miles? That's all a part of the negotiations. We put the four topics That's what we'll be negotiating, and that's what we'll work towards solving the DACA problem. So John, is it it is the wall not going to be a wall? Is there is it going to be part of this deal? We also have a government funding deadline of just a week from now, where the Democrats are January nineteenth, which there's, is roughly
0: my birthday. I mean, I don't know if you're if you've got a special that your... podcast yes, edition. Yes, yes well, but, a... but
1: that that's, that raises a pretty interesting question for Democrats if they're going to take at President's word that there's going to be some kind of a broader deal around DACA or even a clean DACA bill, or are they going to lay down and and potentially block government funding uh, unless they get funding for the Dreamers, which is a lot of what their base is saying and a lot of the members are saying that the, that, that was. One of the, the odd things to me about the president convening this, he made it sound like this, the beginning of a negotiation, and you guys will work it out. At one point, he said, I'll basically sign whatever you guys get me. Uh, I'm not going to say I have any problems with it, but we have a real deadline here of a week from now. And he said he would sign something that he doesn't agree with. Right, right, right. I mean, and then so he-, he would take the heat. Well, I, I, I'm interested in your take on that, John. I mean, this this president, uh, yes, he's new to politics, but but in terms of taking the heat, I don't remember him taking a lot of blame for really anything. He's not a buck stops here kind of no, guy. No, no, he's a, the Democrats did it, or these other guys, or even some Republicans did it. Look what they're look what they're doing. And I wouldn't. I don't think many members of Congress are going to say, okay, well, the president's got our backs on this. That's one intriguing thing about all of this is that he cuts these deals, these side deals. Does anyone think in that room or elsewhere? That the president himself will be bound by any commitment that he made, even if it was a live television commitment, like he did. Okay, yesterday.
0: so you're raising some good points, but I will say, I know we 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 tend to shy away from predictions on this podcast, but i <laughs> I, I i think I think that this is headed towards a uh, towards an actual deal on DACA. I really do. So the dreamers don't have to worry. I'm, I mean, I'd be a little worried right now, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I I think that there was, although there are so many details uh, to be worked out and not much time. Um, there is a surprising amount of agreement on this. And, and
1: so you think the president, in in convening this meeting and opening it up, reset the politics sufficiently to give his base the wiggle room they need, to give Democrats the cover they need? Bannon's
0: out at Breitbart. Breitbart right. would have been beating the drums against anything like this. To, 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 to Bannon... The DACA issue was an existential issue for, for, for a Trump White House, a question of what it, it what it meant, what it stood for.
1: He's gone. But Steve Miller is still inside the White House. Joe Arpaio, the former sheriff of Maricopa County, Arizona, is is running for Senate. Uh, His Ant Republican
0: uh, challenger uh, was
1: sitting right yeah. by the president, McSally. But th- does the president have that ability to go and and do what he said would be A a bill that uh, that was an act of love, uh, to to paraphrase. (laughs) To to paraphrase, and then go ahead and
0: do do comprehensive right after, and then do comprehensive.
1: This is this is uh, this is a defining moment for President Trump. Is a defining moment for the Republican Party because of how much they have at stake in in trying to pass something, uh, and try and how much they have at stake also. In in it's the big test. Can the president do something bipartisan? That's right. That's right. Is almost as simple as that. Uh, and john i know after our guest I, i'm interested in the, the in covering a little bit of uh, the the other uh, the other big story of the week which What's is the that? Oprah- Oprah,
0: Oprah, Oprah, remember Oprah Winfrey, uh, now number two on the uh, 538 uh, list
1: of uh, possible Democratic nominees. All it took is one speech at the Golden Globes. I mean, come on, how hard hard could that be? Yeah. It's an interesting yearning for the Democrats. Uh, You know, I
0: I, asked Trump about this as well, by the way. Um, As we were getting sent out again, and they were really pushing us out, I just leaned over the table one more time, and I said, Mr. President, do you think you could beat Oprah Winfrey? Let's do i Yeah, I'll beat Oprah. Oprah would be a lot of fun. I know her very well. You know, I did one of her last shows. She had Donald Trump. This is before politics. Her last week, and she had Donald Trump, and my family it was very nice. No, I like Oprah. I don't think she's going to run. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> it's always the good. You got to do the Columbo thing at the White House. Yeah. One more. One more.
1: Yeah, so so it's an interesting matchup and so on. So we've all, we've played the clip many times from Good Morning America and elsewhere where the where Trump. President has talked about his respect for Oprah at one point, uh, saying that he considered her top choice for his running mate. That was back in 1999 when he was thinking about running. with Reiterated the, the with George. Reiterated with George at this like the launch of his presidential campaign uh, back in 2015. But uh, it, it, whether Oprah is serious or not about this, it, it, the, the the rise of celebrity in politics, the matchup that that would mean. I mean, my goodness, what what a, what a race that would be, Oprah v. Trump. When you think about it, I have to think that the president would actually be worried about that. He's got to respect what Oprah means. He he would love to run against a miniature version of Hillary Clinton, a constant insider. So do you think she runs, Rick? what did you say about predictions on this show <laughs> I, 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 I I am more confident that she will run than I was confident that President Trump would run uh, how does that sound for a, a hedged prediction at what
0: uh, point because I remember you at some point did kind of turn and thought he was actually going to do it yeah yeah but I mean he, know, we're talking like weeks before he yeah did, I mean it's,
1: uh, it was only it, uh, it, took, it took some convincing I don't think we're anywhere near that yet but in terms of the initial rumblings I didn't think Trump would do it this far right. out Oprah seems more likely than that I, I look she's got to she's got to decide imagine how formidable a candidacy that would be. Uh, I feel like she is going to have a lot of tough conversations. Ultimately, I think less likely th- than not to run. Think what uh, it would mean for Detroit. All those free cars, you know? <laughs> Is that how it works? Can you, I don't know. I'm can, just can, like, you get, can you win an Iowa caucus that way? I guess yeah. we'll test the uh, the strains of, of all sorts of things. But I think it's it's interesting because the the, 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 the combination of the resistance movement, the Me Too movement, uh, and all epitomized with an African-American woman who is an absolute megastar, I think there's a strain of Trumpism in, in, in her as well in the sense of being a celebrity and getting involved and being a business person and a brand. All of these what things
0: are, are there. What, what are her politics? I mean, is she – would she be a – she a liberal Democrat? A moderate Democrat. A is she a Blue Dog? What is she? A
1: blue do- I, I don't. I don't think she's, I don't think she'll quite fit with the conservative caucus on it. But those are questions that she'll. answer. I mean, have do you answer. know? No, I mean, I, 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 I do not. I do not. I mean, I think. I think all of that, you have to decide if you're Oprah. Your brand is bigger than politics. Where's you want she to in, get taxes? Involved in this? Right? I mean, she's right. a very successful business person. What's well, I know a... she's come out against the estate tax, for instance. I mean, I, I've seen quotes where she said that she thinks it's unfair to be double taxed on it. So can she fit all the liberal litmus tests that, are, that that's around that? If you're Oprah, do you even want that? But I, I think it's interesting that the president himself, it's in his head. Not you know, your question, obviously, but he's aware of what's going on. Ivanka Trump astoundingly uh, tweeted uh, her first like support. she was ready to endorse it <laughs> sure did it sure did and she looked very excited about what uh, what Oprah had to say All right. so let
0: me let me just take the Oprah possibility very seriously for a moment yeah um, given her star power given her kind of kind of appeal without getting into any of the specifics among uh, what was the Obama base mm-hmm she could, I, don't, I have no idea what her politics are, but we see, like you mentioned she's against the estate tax. She has the potential to be relatively moderate uh, on, on, the, uh, on the substance and appeal to to all of the Obama and the progressive base of that party, which would be an incredibly formidable. Uh, formula.
1: All right, John says she's going to be the next president.
0: Good, okay. <laughs> but but now we are we are joined uh, by Senator Tom Tillis. Uh, uh, we appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Senator. Yeah, glad to be here. So um, I, I was. You and I have something in common. We were both in the cabinet room watching that unfold, that extraordinary meeting yesterday. Uh, so I I've got to ask you just before we get to the uh, to to the substance. Did you have any idea that the likes, people like me, were going to be in that room for almost the entire meeting? Uh,
2: No, but I I thought it was a great idea, and I don't have a problem with it. I think uh, having you all there, one one thing that was funny, I think it was about 30 minutes into it, I looked up at all the journalists, and they're all looking around like, do they know we're still in here? (laughs) Uh. But I thought it was great. I think it demonstrated, uh, because you got to see, that meeting, uh, we had about 30 minutes after the uh, the press cleared, and it was no different. Uh, so you all really got to see uh, the discussion just unfold in front of you. And the president was able to see the gaps that we need to bridge to come up with the solution. So I think it was helpful for all the parties in the room.
0: So how do you do you think we're going to see an agreement, on the Dreamers that will include a path to citizenship. This is something that Grassley kind of surprised me by, by, by saying in that meeting, I, that, that, that you will see, you know, a full-blown path to citizenship for the Dreamers along with, you know, some measure of, uh, of, of border security.
2: I think so. You know, I'm on record as uh, having filed the Succeed Act, uh, Senator Lankford, Hatch, and I, uh, where we clearly are open to that idea, given certain standards that have to be achieved along the way. And we had good discussions by putting that bill in place. In spite of the fact that we said that we have to pair it with border security, we wanted to to really focus the discussion on the DACA component of a compromise bill, Um, And and what we've seen, and you're right, with uh, Chair Grassley to make that statement, it's just extraordinary progress that we've made in trying to bridge the gap between uh, the Democrats and Republicans in the room and some who have been... uh, you know, not in favor of any kind of path in the in the uh, past. And I think that that was uh, that, that, those showed, uh, you know, I'm a silver lining kind of guy, but there was a lot of good things that came out of this meeting. The President saying it's not going to be a monolithic wall from the Pacific Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico, saying that we do need people, technology and infrastructure to secure the border, showing that he's willing to accept something maybe less than what he started out with. I think it's all good progress, and hopefully our colleagues on the other side of the aisle will seize that opportunity to come to the middle and solve the problem.
1: Senator, we played a few moments ago what I thought was a really extraordinary moment, where where Senator Feinstein uh, jumped in and said, uh, I'd like to just take care of the Dreamers, take care of DACA and a clean bill. And, and the president said he's in favor of that. And then Congressman McCarthy, the majority leader, had to had to jump in and say, well, wait a second. We, we also want border security as part of that. What Do you have a sense of what the White House is actually for right now? Or did the president contradict himself in a pretty critical way yesterday? People left the room no. having different sense of what he agreed to.
2: Well, you know, first off, I, I think the president showed a lot of flexibility. Probably the most compelling uh statement that he made to me yesterday was, I will honor what you all decide you can agree on. I will uh, accept something and sign into law something that's short of what I would prefer in the interest of solving the problem. Now, when uh, Senator Feinstein asked her question, I think he he was thinking he, he'd already, you got to understand the context within which he answered the question when he had his opening statements, and so we have to have border security. He was thinking less about the mechanics we we feel strongly that they have to be paired together so that we get it done. Uh, I think he was talking about he, he he doesn't need a lot of technicalities and issues with the uh w- either whether you whether you go between the dream act and succeed act that he's okay with that but he he laid the the, uh, the predicate at the beginning of the meeting that this solution has to – he has to be able to f- feel like he's listened to and acted on the recommendations of border security and CIS in terms of securing the border.
1: But the flip side is the White House came out with a statement, and you were part of the, the, the closed-door meeting afterward that, to my mind – Went less far than the public portion did, and, and he said that there has to be reforms on not just uh, DACA, not just the Dreamers, uh, not just border security, the wall, but also ending chain migration, also ending the visa lottery. Can you get all of that done, and can you get it done potentially before next Friday when government funding runs out?
2: I don't know if we can get it done by next Friday. You know, there were arbitrary deadlines set in December, and and those passed. We're we're, we're going to see how close we can get by really going into short interval negotiations, meeting as frequently as the parties are willing to get into the room and uh, deal with those issues. I, I think that the the problem with the Clean Act is, uh, or, or I say a, a clean bill, is uh, one of history. If you think about 1986, when President Reagan Uh, offered amnesty to some three million uh, illegally present persons. Uh, There was a promise that we would get to border security later. Well, we never got to it, and it's in part the reason why we have 11 million or so illegally present people here. So, you know, I think that we have to have our colleagues recognize that they go hand in hand. If we don't want to have another DACA crisis, or a, a crisis of the scale that we have now, then we have to have a credible approach to securing the border. And I think the President what, what he proved yesterday is he's not going to sweat the details. He knows what the high-level uh, objectives are. The White House, you know, have put out a statement. It's a negotiating position. But the president showed a lot of flexibility and a pretty broad view of what he would either want in or it would accept going to the next phase. So I,
0: I want to switch gears and, and ask you, you, you uh, had uh, proposed a bill or put forth a bill um, uh, late last year that would uh, – uh, you know, Try to try to protect the special counsel in, in, in the event the president tried to uh, to fire Robert Mueller, giving giving a, a mechanism or for that to be challenged. President in
2: the future of any future special counsel. of any
0: of any of any future special counsel. So uh, we we just heard a short while ago from the president uh, tweet an, another tweet on this, and, and I just want to read it to you if you haven't seen it yet. The single greatest witch hunt in American history continues. This is the president tweeting. There was no collusion. Everybody, including the Dems, knows there was no conclusion. And yet it goes on and on and on. Russia and the world is laughing at the stupidity they are witnessing. Republicans should finally take control. So uh, just to unpack that, can you tell me, first of all, do you you think that, that this investigation is the single greatest witch hunt in American history?
2: Uh, you know, I'm, I I, uh, I don't necessarily. I I think that the uh, the investigation needs to play out, and investigations need to play out. I think the legitimate questions asked about the behavior of the FBI with respect to the Clinton investigation should be looked at, and I think we should keep our hands off of it. I'll leave it to the president to take his own personal view. Look, I mean, they're uh, the the uh, the narrative here. They're trying to. Um, they're 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 trying to actually be a part of the investigative team some of the my colleagues on the other side of the aisle on Capitol Hill and create a narrative i i'm one who wants to step back let the investigations play out Um, and let them be as broad or as narrow as the the special counsel and the Department of Justice think they need to be. What's the status
1: of that bill, do you you presume, or is it any chance that it moves forward? Is the bill that you you filed with Senator Coons that would give uh, some backstops to prevent the the firing of a special counsel, including a legal challenge? And, And has the president said anything to you about it? Is he curious about what you're after here?
2: No, actually, I think the president said uh, publicly that he has no intent of removing the special counsel or influencing the removal of it. I take that at face value. I still think that this is a a worthwhile uh, endeavor, that we should consider putting this into law so that it has enduring uh, impact on future administrations. And we're trying to work out with uh, Lindsey Graham and uh, Cory Booker differences between Two bills, and if we can reach a consensus, then, then we can move on to it. But I think it has less to do with influence in this investigation and more to do with uh, the Senate and, and the Congress asserting some uh, influence over the handling of a special counsel, which obviously was created under a, a congressional action.
1: And I'm sitting there, I'm curious, just because you've watched the president now at very close hand in the the maneuverings there, and you've had a lot of exposure to him uh, over the last year in office. There was a big debate that erupted uh, in the publication of Fire and Fury about the president's competence, mental competence, mental fitness for the office, talk of the 25th Amendment. The president came out over the weekend, and he declared himself to be a very stable genius. Do you agree?
2: You know, I, uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist. I've never administered any IQ tests, so I'll leave that uh, for the <laughs> experts. What I will tell you is that there was genius distributed or displayed yesterday in the meeting. And that was a, it, it, it's sort of a rare genius up here. It was actually listening and being flexible. So I think in the context of that meeting, I saw the President doing some remarkable, uh, he was displaying some remarkable leadership instincts by letting people talk, by even exposing himself to the – he didn't know what people were going to say or what agendas were in the room, but exposing him to the risk of that thing becoming a goat rodeo, and it didn't happen. I mean, people talked, there were productive discussions, and it laid the framework or the basis for us to go and maybe get to accelerated negotiations and come up with a deal that both sides of the aisle can be proud of.
0: Well, uh, Senator Tillis, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. And let me just say that uh, that we here at Powerhouse Politics would fully endorse the idea of having uh, those of us who covered the White House in all of those meetings, so, um, <laughs> so we, you think it's a good idea? We're on board. We're happy to come in anytime. I need to, uh, to tell, also, I tell you what.
2: To... There's probably a few of those boom operators that are uh, their <laughs> elbows were sore because they were holding. They weren't accustomed to that length of uh, duty. Let me no. just
1: let me also say that I'm firmly on your side in Bojangles Gate. Uh, I don't think it's even a question.
2: I think it was an egregious decision. <laughs> that 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 alone may be subject to a, a special investigation.
1: <laughs> we'll get that line. Thank you, Senator. All right, Senator yeah, Tillis. Thank, thank, thank,
0: you. thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Right, take care. Did
1: you read about that? By the, the Bojangles' biscuits are good biscuits. I don't care what you say. And Bojangles uh, had to—they they took a little bit of a hit in the, in the Washington Post on that. Uh, so I, I'm glad that uh, Senator Tillis was sticking up. for Well, some that's
0: classic on that. cosmopolitan <laughs> BS. You know, I mean, come on.
1: Uh, um,
0: so wait, it's, it's Rick. You heard it the, the citizenship for dreamers, and then all right, you know, it's all there.
1: On. it's all there. Look, I, I, I think. I, I said again, the best, is the best of Trump and the worst of Trump. You see it come through the possibilities that are raised by convening a meeting like that, as Senator Tillis said, uh, a certain genius to convening a meeting like that and, and then performing in a meeting like that. Uh, a new day of optimism. But I would not Overstate the stakes for the Republican Party. They have a energized and motivated far right wing. Bannon aside, there are powerful voices in the Republican Party that would go apoplectic if there is citizenship for Dreamers, people in their view who came here illegally. Some of them actually still populate the ranks of the White House in advisor positions. And and separate from, but you have
0: to admit that the demise of Bannon from departure from Breitbart is well-timed if the president is actually going to make a deal on this.
1: Yes, indeed. No question. No question. I I think that it, it gives a little bit of flexibility where where it wasn't before. And look, you're not expecting the president to suddenly become a liberal. He's not going to do the clean bill and just say, you know, amnesty or or citizenship or anything like that. But any kind of deal that he cuts is going to be very, very polarizing. And if he doesn't cut a deal, you have the issue of the government shutdown. You also have uh, competitive Senate races in places like Arizona and Nevada and Florida with big immigrant populations, big Hispanic populations, all of which kind of adds to a, an image for Republican Party right now that, that has to find an identity and has to find a way through this.
0: Indeed. Well – Rick, uh, I don't know what we'll do next week on Paros Politics. I don't know if we'll have to do an emergency podcast before we get to, uh, to next Wednesday. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I agree that, uh, that, that you are a very stable... Genius? Uh, Will you say I genius? Mean, well, I mean, you're stable. You're definitely stable. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with that. Don't you think?
1: I, oh, I, I definitely think that. And John, I'm also confident that uh, that we're not going to get any uh, Taylor Swift references out of you. That was something <laughs> we, we featured with Mary Alice. Uh, we're back to Bob Dylan. It's a comfort zone for me. I'm good with that. Uh, it, it feels good to, to be back with you in the new year.
0: And just remember, he not busy being born is busy dying. Thank you for listening to Powerhouse Politics.
2: We'll be back next week.